Go ahead and take your Bibles this morning, if you would, turn to the Gospel of Luke, continuing our study in the Gospel of Luke. If you need a Bible, there are Bibles placed in the back of the pew in front of you. By all means, please uh, grab one of those. You can follow along. Today we find ourselves in Luke chapter 8. And uh, you also want to go ahead and mark your spot over in Matthew chapter 13. We'll be going back and forth uh, throughout this message this morning. But uh, we find ourselves continuing in the text in Luke chapter 8. And today we're going to be looking at verses 4 uh, through verse 18. We'll get as far as we can. No uh, guarantees that we will finish out today's message. But um, great passage of Scripture. Today we're going to be looking at the parable of the soils. Now some refer to it as the parable of the sower or the parable of the seed. But the parable of the soils I think is the best description. Because what this text deals with is the heart of man. And I can say as a pastor this is the type of text that's a great encouragement. Because what this text today encourages me as a pastor is that it's not my responsibility when I preach and teach for you to get it. And I'm thankful for that. (laughs) This passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today, Jesus is preparing His followers for a very important truth. We're going to go out into this world... And we're going to sow the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to sow the good news. But guess what? Some people aren't going to get it. And so Jesus begins a very important shift in His ministry at this point. He begins to shift from straightforward teaching to all people to teaching now in parables. In fact, we'll see in Matthew 13, it tells us that from this point on, He taught them in parables. What's a parable? Well, we know that a parable basically contrasts something. And in this case, we find that Jesus in His teaching teaches a truth, and He does so in a story form, setting up the contrast. You know, as I was preparing this message this week, I I did so with a heavy heart. And being reminded that my responsibility as a pastor is to simply sow the seed, water the seed, that's my responsibility. I found great encouragement in this text, but it still did not excuse the fact that your pastor was discouraged. And at times, before I really got into the text, I'll just be honest with you, I felt a bit angry. Now, we know sometimes when we're angry, we like to say it's righteous indignation. Perhaps it is. I know why I feel the way I feel. I know, God knows, my heart in this. And so... As your pastor, I'm not being a good pastor if I don't share with you what's on my heart. 
So I'm going to share with you what's on my heart. But I'm thankful that I took this to the Lord in prayer first, so you didn't get the righteous indignation. But instead, the Spirit of God softened me to share a truth in a parable. Follow along, if you would, the parable of the feast. This is my heart. I'm going to convey via a parable. A father goes away to a faraway country and asks that a certain son oversee the family while he's away. The son being given the responsibility does what he can to help watch over the family. The family isn't very large. In fact, compared to some of the other families in the village, They are quite small. One day, the son decides to throw a feast for the family and invites a number of other families from the neighboring towns. Some of his family members complain because they do not like what is on the menu. Many of them prefer some of the more traditional cuisine, while others prefer the dishes that have more spice, sweetness, and richer flavor. The son, however, had been instructed by the father on a healthy diet and had been warned to watch out for the family and to feed them not what they wanted, but what they needed. Some of the family members didn't care one way or the other about the upcoming meal. They were somewhat indifferent. And they waited for a better offer. So they planned a journey for the time of the scheduled meal, even though they knew the family meal had been planned for nearly a year. Others had to be away due to unforeseen circumstances and hated to miss the meal. But the son knew his father would fully understand in those situations. But even still, the son couldn't help but feel discouraged to know that the family was in need of this wonderfully prepared and healthy meal that would benefit them tremendously. You see, within this special meal were ingredients left by the Father that would be served on this very important day. The son's wife tried to encourage him that the father would one day return and that it was for His love for the Father that we must do this and trust that those who came to the meal would be nourished, strengthened, and blessed. Besides, we are being faithful to what Father has asked of us, she said. So with one last plea, the son reasoned with his family, saying, Come, Be fed, be nourished, be strengthened, be blessed, and enjoy the feast that our Father has prepared for us to share in. For I am confident that you will be filled with what you need most. For those of you who didn't quite follow that parable... (laughs) Let me just say this. God has given us a great opportunity 
this coming weekend with our apologetics conference. I'm reminded of the words of Paul when he said, you ought to be teachers by now, but you still desire the milk. I realize for some this is steak this weekend, and and for some of you, you don't have the teeth to chew it. I get that. Come, be fed, be encouraged. And and let me just say this, because I haven't done this yet. You ought to know me by now. $10 registration fee, ignore that. Come to the meal and be fed, okay? Well, that's a parable. Jesus, in today's text, does the same thing. He teaches a truth that's important, and he does so in the form of a parable. Look, if you would, in Luke 8, verse 4. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down. And the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Verse 7, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold, When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? Verse 10, And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear when the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out uh, and uh, I'm sorry, now uh, verse 14. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who when they have heard go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now no one who when he has a, a lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel, or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. Father, I pray this morning uh, 
Lord, that you would anoint me, that you would use me. I pray to be a clean vessel before you. And I ask, Lord, that you give me the wisdom, uh, that you help me to, uh, Lord, share what you've placed upon my heart this week and through my time of study, that it would glorify and honor you and that Jesus Christ would be made much of. We ask it in his name. Amen. You notice in today's text, there is a great contrast. There's an explanation of the different hearers. And I realized when I began to preach and teach today, and even back when I was sharing with you the parable that I had written this week, that was seed falling on a heart. And no doubt, just as Jesus explains here, when you and I go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can expect this type of hearer. The first type he explains, is those that were along the wayside. The wayside here. Some of you, since I began to speak, you're like the wayside here. You're not even going to get out these doors before Satan comes and plucks away everything that your pastor taught and preached on today. Some of you might not even make it to the parking lot before those seeds are plucked away. Some of you have already checked out. And Jesus is preparing those faithful followers because this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen in their ministry. You know, it's interesting. Um, I think we need to, to get a little background, a little context of what has preceded Jesus preaching and teaching on this. Turn over to Matthew 13 because I don't want to miss this. Matthew 13. This will capture the full picture of, of what's going on this day. Notice in Matthew 13, uh, you've got to realize Jesus has, has been uh, teaching at some point. Uh, the, the Pharisees have been demanding a sign. Uh, Jesus had gone to a, to a house and, and his brother and his mom had come to try and find where he was and get him to come back. And, and somebody said, hey, there's your mom, and dad, or there's your mom, your brother. And he says, no, look, uh, the, he said, those that are my mother and my brothers are the ones who do the will of my father in heaven. Those are my brothers and mothers. Verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. So here he comes out of this house, and notice what he does. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. He's probably looking for a little quiet place. Not this day. And great multitudes were gathered together to him. Now, the word there where it speaks of a great, a great multitudes, that's a crowd of crowds. This is a big group of people. This is a crowd of crowds. By this point in Jesus' ministry, He has amassed a great following. And so here's this large crowd of crowds gathered together to hear Him. He's down by the sea, and notice so, it's so, much, so many people come to Him that He got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. You can just imagine them crowding in and him kind of getting to a place to where they're, they're, they're crushing in on him. And the best thing he can do is at this point get into a boat, kind of cast out from the shore a little bit, which by the way helped to make for a, a natural PA system, if you will, reflecting upon, off of the water to carry the sound up to the shore side so that the multitude could hear him. Verse 3, Then he spoke many things to them. In parables. 
saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed. Some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth on earth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so he continues teaching them this parable. So you have the context, you have the background. You can just imagine what that day was like. And there's a very important truth that Jesus is teaching His followers. Look, there's going to be crowds of crowds. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to hear the gospel. But there's different types of hearers. And there are different types of hearers here today. My question to you is, which hearer are you? Are you the wayside hearer? Notice the wayside here. And again, back over in Luke 8, uh, you, you find the initial uh, parable being shared in verse 5, and you find Jesus' explanation in verse 12, which is really cool because this is one of the times recorded in Scripture where Jesus actually gives you the interpretation of what He's teaching. That's excellent. And why is that important? Well, it's important because if you can get this parable, you can get everything else God teaches. Think about what I just said. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. If you get this parable, you'll get the teachings of God. Well, wayside heart. Most likely, these are those who have hardened hearts. In fact, a lot of them are probably have already hardened their heart prior to even coming to hear the message. And you know, there were a great number of these type people. There were many Pharisees who, who, who had gathered to hear Jesus teach looking for uh, reason to accuse Him. They were no doubt hardened in heart. There were many who probably gathered uh, as scoffers. Some of them were probably there because mom and daddy made them come. Some of them didn't really have an interest. Their wife made them or their husband drug them out. The wayside here. Matthew uh, describes this in, in 13, uh, 15. He says, and I know it's not just because my battery's dead. You notice the birds in the text. In Luke's account, he speaks of these birds that after the seed has been sown, that the birds of the air devoured it. Well, we know that the birds represent the wicked one, the devil. Um, this is explained by Christ in Luke 12. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear when the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Do you realize this morning as I'm preaching and teaching, some of you to pluck away the seed that's being sown, the seed that's being watered. He snatches away the word from those whose hearts are hardened, Paul describes this in 2 Corinthians 4. Turn over there for a second. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Notice verse 3 and following. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. 
who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. I'm going to sow some seed. I'm going to share the gospel of Christ. And some of that seed is going to be plucked away by Satan. Is that your heart? Again, think about this. Luke doesn't talk about the sower. In fact, he doesn't describe the sower here. Now, over in Matthew, the sower is described as the Son of God. uh, And in essence, Christ is the one at this point in the ministry preaching the gospel. But in Luke, the, the sower isn't described. And I think that's important because the sower is whoever is sharing the gospel. You're the sower. I'm the sower. He's teaching his followers that they will be the sower. And there will be crowds. There will be multitudes. But notice that the power, the emphasis is not on the sower. The emphasis is not in the seed. I mean, yes, we know the seed is the Word of God and it's the gospel. We know ultimately the power is there. But God is God and His Word is His Word. But it has different effect upon different people, doesn't it? For some, it's a sweet-smelling aroma to salvation. To others, it's the stench of death. So what's the difference? It's the same Word, right? It's the same seed. The difference is the heart. The difference is the soil in the parable. The difference is the type of ground that the seed is falling upon. So you recognize that here today, we have four types of soil. Some of you are hard-hearted. That's just the reality. You are hardened to the things of God. That's a hard issue. That's not a, we just had a better preacher. If he wouldn't just teach so much of the Bible, it's not about the sower and it's not about the seed. Boy, that's freeing as a pastor, I can just tell you. That takes pressure off, doesn't it? Guess what? It takes pressure off you as an evangelist. As you share your faith with others, don't be fearful of whether or not you're doing it. Oh, I just don't. You're not doing it. It's not about you. And it's not really in the end even about the message that you're delivering. They're the ones that accept it or reject it. It's a condition of the heart. That's the heart of the matter. The matter of the heart. So, let's continue on and take a look. Notice the first one is the wayside heart. And that is, again, the one that Christ describes as the seed, the Word of God. It's, it's, it's sown by the wayside. Which, by the way, the wayside, in those days you would have these, you know, they would plant their crops. And it's not like today. You'd have these little, you know, three-foot paths, if you will, that kind of went in between. And so it wasn't uncommon for, you know, when they would be uh, sowing seed, that some of it would just fall along the path. And of course, those paths were well beaten down because they were well traveled, and so that ground was often very hard. And so they're getting this, they're following this, they understand what Jesus is saying uh, to, to, to some extent, and especially after they ask him and he breaks it down for them. But notice, those were the ones by the wayside. They hear the devil comes, takes the word out of their hearts. But notice the rocky soil. Verse 6 says. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away. 
because it lacked moisture. You know, I appreciate Holt's been teaching me a lot about gardening. And, uh, so, you know, when I first started gardening, I, I'm, I'm learning, brother. I'm learning because there were some times where I would sow some seed in the ground. And, man, it was like within just a matter of days, boom, something sprang up. I was like, whoa, this is going to be a good crop this year. What was happening was that seed a lot of times wasn't deep enough in the soil. Its root system had not gone deep enough. It was near the top, and so it sprang out early looking like it's going to do something. Withered away. And you know what? Isn't that exactly like what happens in the church? Oh man, you can, you can look at these crusades and, and whoa, you'll see just masses of crowds, crowds of crowds, and then the gospel's given and there's this music that's playing and people are crying, oh, you want to go with me? Let's go. And all these masses of people go down front and they give their life to Jesus because they repeat the prayer and they check the box. And they're nowhere to be found two months down the line. It's because the seed sprang up. It looked like it was going to do something, but guess what? It's shallow. It was an emotional response. It wasn't a saving response. It was hard. It was rocky soil. But you notice what the text says, and we don't want to miss this. It says that when they, they received it, in verse, uh, if you look over in Matthew, you'll find this. They hear the word, and, and immediately they receive it with joy. I, I'm not trying to negate that sometimes when people go to these crusades and, or they're in a church and they hear a message preached that, man, this is what I need and this is, you know, we're going to fix my life kind of thing, and, and they're happy about it. But it's an emotional response. And the problem is they have no root. They're shallow. The root system's shallow. And notice, um, when things begin to heat up, we got problems. Turn over to Matthew. I, I want you to see this. Look at Matthew, what he, how he describes it. By the way, these are parallel uh, accounts. The synoptic gospels, all three of the gospels, synoptic gospels express this parable. Mark 4, Matthew 13. But notice over in Matthew 13 what he says in regards to this. Uh, in Matthew 13, verse 6, he says the following. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. You see, he just said in verse 5, Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. See, again, the problem's not the sowing. The problem's not the seed. The same sun brings what's needed to the seed that's on each soil. But in this case, the sun scorched it out. Because it didn't, couldn't get down deep to where the moisture was. It didn't have anything to draw from. And what's happening in a lot of professing Christians' lives, a lot of people today that name the name of Christ, there's a big problem because they just made an emotional response. And so when trials 
And tribulations start to come. They're not grounded in the Word. They're not rooted in the truth of God. And they begin to wither away. I thought Jesus was going to give me my best life now. I don't want this if this is going to be all about trials and tribulations and problems. I didn't sign up for that. I thought Jesus was supposed to help me. Now we know the type. You know a lot of folks who've made professions of faith, and when things get when the heat gets turned up in the kitchen, they leave. They walk away from the faith. People always ask, you Baptists, you Baptists believe once saved, always saved. You believe you can get saved and go out and sin like the devil. I don't believe that. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. I think the question we need to to pose is, was the person ever really saved? That's the question. Just because someone professes to know Christ doesn't mean they know Christ. Jesus Himself said, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord... Lord, did I not prophesy in thy name? Did we not cast out demons in thy name? Did we not perform miracles in thy name? He'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. So just because somebody walks an aisle and makes an emotional response, or somebody you know, goes to one of the youth crusades and their ten buddies go up there all crying in a circle and sign a card doesn't make them saved. Has the Word of God really gripped your heart? Is it deep in the soil of your heart? Well, Jesus is posing a great point here in this parable because He knows what's going to happen. You know, James 1-2 says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. The stony heart doesn't understand that, do they? The rocky heart doesn't understand that. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Don't think it strange concerning fiery trials that come our way to purify our faith. Do you know why there's difficulties in your life? To purify your faith. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. See, this is biblical teaching. This is what, we're, this is the, what we should understand when storms come. It should cause us to anchor down very deep into the Word of God and to hold strong to the one that we're anchored to, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But instead what happens to the stony heart is, man, this is just this is too intense. I can't stand the peer pressure of my friends. So I'm going to do like they do. I'm going to go the way of the world so that I'm not ridiculed, made fun of. I'm not strong in my faith. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to blend in. That speaks of the thorny heart. Notice in, in verse uh, 7, and also explained in verse 14. Verse 7 says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Verse 14, Jesus says, Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who when they have heard, go out, and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. Hey, they go forth for a little while. These are those ones that are in the church, and boy, they're doing good in Awanas. I'm learning my memory verses. I'm doing good for a while. They get to the team program, and they're not there. 
Or they come to the team program and they're there. Or hey, they may even succeed in making it through the team program, but they get to the college career age and they're nowhere to be found. I mean, there's a lot of people, adults included, that make professions of faith, and for a little while they seem to be doing good, and then nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. They're not living out their faith. They're not serving the Lord. They're not in a Bible-believing church. They're not fill in the blank. They go forth for a little while, Jesus said. But notice their ability to bear fruit is choked out. What chokes it out? He says, the cares of this world. Matthew 13, 22, second part of that verse tells us that. The deceitfulness of riches, Matthew explains it in 13, 22, the latter part. But notice what Luke adds it in this, in this passage. He adds the pleasures of life. You know why some of you Christians walk away from the things of God? He just explained it. It's because you have a thorny heart. A thorny heart. You care more about the world. Let's be honest. Let's get real with Jesus for a second. Some of you are waiting. You know it's almost 12 o'clock and you're ready to get out of here. You're ready to go home. You're already thinking about the football game. You're thinking about eating. You're thinking about everything else in this world except for what should be near and dear to our heart. And the reality is we have a thorny heart. And you know what? This makes people uncomfortable. It makes people uncomfortable. And I'll tell you why it makes them uncomfortable. It's because it's the truth. That doesn't represent my God. Well, read the Scriptures. Jesus is looking for faithful followers. This is not a brow beating. This is not a, a, a trying to Bible thump anyone. This is simply teaching exactly what Jesus taught. If you have a problem with this message, you have a problem with the messenger. You have a problem with the Word of God. I didn't say this. Jesus said it. Those who do not bear fruit in their Christian life, it's because they care about the world, they have deceitfulness of riches, and they like the pleasures of life. And let's be honest. We struggle with that, don't we? Listen to what John Carson said. Cares affect those who live in poverty. Cares affect those who live in poverty. They're worried. They're worried all the time. I'm worried. I'm not going to be able to pay my bill. I'm worried about them. I'm going to, oh, they're going to foreclose on me. I'm worried about, I'm worried, worried, worried. Cares affect those who live in poverty. Riches affect those who live in prosperity. Riches affect those who live in prosperity. Think about that. You're living in prosperity? That's a temptation. The, the toys of the world, the things that come with money, the temptations that come with having it. But pleasure affects everyone. Let me give you the whole quote. Cares affect those who live in poverty. Riches affect those who live in prosperity. Pleasure affects everyone. We like to feed the flesh. Let's be honest, we do. That's the thorny soil, the thorny heart.
lot of other things I'd rather do than read my Bible or spend time with God's people. Prayer meet? Now, if we had a, if we had a, you know, some kind of curriculum or something else going on, well, I'd be there. You mean Jesus Christ is not enough? If we want a revival in this country, we need a revival in our personal life. The problem is not with what I'm saying. The problem is with our heart. We've got a hard heart. We've got a stony heart. We've got a thorny heart. That's what we have. Let's call it what it is. I'm confessing. Are you confessing? This is my heart. But you know what? I see enough in the Word of God to know I don't want that heart. I want a soil heart. I want a heart that's soft, that's tender to the things of God. Because I recognize my time on this earth is few and it's limited. And I would rather have a heart that springs forth in fruit. A life that counts for our Lord and Savior. Because one day we all will stand before Him and we all will give account for what we've done in this body. But I can't find the time. Well, we're all in that boat. I'm not pointing fingers, because if I am, there's a bunch pointing back. But we're all in that boat. I hope this message does one thing. I hope it causes me and you to think about which heart is mine. God, show me which heart is mine. Because you said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. I'm having a difficult time really seeing what pastor's saying. I'm not really understanding what's being shared because I come to church, I read my Bible. Again, this is about heart inspection. I can't do that. I don't pretend to do that. Only God does that. But will you be honest enough before a holy God to say, God, test me, try me. Consume all my darkness. Show me. Help me reflect. Where am I in this parable? Am I a, a, a wayside hearer? Is Satan just stealing away everything that's being sown in my life? I'll tell you how you know. If during the rest of the week, your thoughts are very, very, very seldom on the things of God. You are probably a wayside hearer. And maybe at first you had a little bit of joy for Jesus, but now there's really nothing there. Then you're probably a stony heart here. If you're more consumed with the things of this world, you're more in in line with the fluff of Christianity instead of the meat, you might be a thorny heart here. Paul said, examine yourself. I can't examine you, but you can examine yourself. You can take it to God and just lay it out and be honest and humble and transparent before Him and say, Lord, shine your light on me. But gang, let me just say this. If you do that, let's be prepared for what He shows us. Well, the last part is a good heart. A good heart. Okay. Well, I'm glad we made it to this point because I don't think I can handle much more of that other stuff. Well, let's take a look.
Notice in verse 8 of chapter 8. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is answered in verse 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word, with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. You see what Jesus is teaching this amassed multitude of people and His twelve disciples that are there, His apostles. He's preparing them. And he says, listen, when you go out and you start sharing the good news of Jesus, when you preach, when you teach, there's going to be certain types of listeners out there. There's going to be certain types of hearts. There's going to be types of soil. And when you throw that seed and when you water that seed, don't count it strange. Don't think it odd when people reject it, when people get mad, when people harden their heart, when people care more about what's out there. But he says, also know this, there's going to be some good hearts. There's going to be some noble hearts. What does he mean by this? Well, let me just say, only God can prepare the soil of your heart. That's why no amount of your doing, and this is the problem with the legalists. The legalists will say a message like this, and it may sound a little bit like what I preached a while ago, but let me give you the big difference. The legalist expects you to go and do differently. I'm going to tell you, there is nothing you can do. Only God can break the soil of the ground. But you know what? If you care enough to ask, He will. He doesn't reject anyone that comes to Him. He will in no way cast you out. If you find that you have a hard heart and you recognize that and you're you're willing to confess that before a holy God and repent of that, And cry out to Him to soften the soil of your heart because I don't want to live this way anymore? He's not going to reject that prayer. God is all about tilling the soil of your heart. Jeremiah said that the Word of God will break up the hard heart. So... Only God can prepare the soil of your heart. Those with a noble and a good heart then are the ones who will understand the Word. Do you understand the Word of God when it's taught and preached? If you don't understand the Word of God when it's taught and preached, you may have one of the other types of soil in the heart. You want to ask God, Help me, Lord. Help me to gain understanding. Those who keep it, notice the text said, Jesus Himself said it again. I'm not saying this, Jesus says it. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who having heard the Word, they heard it, with a noble and good heart, they're responding to it, they're not rejecting it, they're not getting mad at it, they're receiving it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Remember, we just preached on this recently. They hear it, and then notice, underline it, keep it. They keep it. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I mean, are, are, are you understanding God's teaching and are you keeping it? Is, it? is it affecting how you live? Is it changing your life? Are you living out your faith? These are all indications, gang. This is all oh, test-worthy, if you will. 
to see if we are indeed walking in the faith. And if you're not keeping it, then cry out to God. I want to keep your word, Lord. Help me. Create within me a new heart, Lord. Renew within me a a steadfast spirit. But notice, keep it with patience. Patience produce fruit. Sometimes we do get a little anxious, don't we? We want to see it right away. Uh Uh-uh. We'll plant this garden out here, and me and my wife, we're all excited. But man, we have to wait months before we actually can go out there and enjoy the, the, the produce, right? You're gonna, when you're being faithful to the things of God, you're not going to see fruit right away. Sometimes you may go all your life and never see fruit. But be faithful. Faithful to the things of God. Faithful to the sowing the seed. Notice... Um, John 15. Turn over to John 15. I want to read this passage. Because Jesus Himself, again, taught on what it means to bear fruit and, and, and to discern the difference of those who do not. Because, again, He describes in this passage in John 15, there are those who spring up and those that look, maybe they have some leaves, but they ain't got no fruit. Some people name the name of Christ and they got a bunch of leaves, but they ain't got no fruit. Well, that ends up being a dead branch if you're not careful. Notice what happens in uh, John 15, verses 1 and following. Jesus said, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? I mean, there's not a whole lot of explanation that has to go along with that passage of Scripture. I mean, that's pretty clear. Christian, are you bearing fruit? If if you can't look in your life and see evidential fruit, then you may want to go to a holy God and say, Lord, help me. I want to bear fruit. I want to be a fruit bearer. I don't want to be a branch that does not bear fruit. Verse 3, you you're are always ready, uh, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me. He's given you the answer on how to bear fruit. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Remember, see, the legalist tries to bear fruit of itself. You can't do that. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You say, well, I'm not bearing fruit in my life. I don't think I'm bearing fruit, Pastor. I'm thinking about it, I'm praying about it, but I can't think of any fruit in my life. Abide in Christ. Let Christ abide in you. Stop trying in your own strength. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Let Him work in your heart and life. Let Him work in you and through you to bear fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. Verse 5, He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. You want to glorify God? Bear much fruit. How do I bear much fruit? Abide in Christ, and let Christ abide in you. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Gang, can I tell you what comes from a surrendered heart and a soft soil heart to the things of God? It's not burdens. It's not heavy, weighty to-dos. It's relief. It's freedom. It's a load off your back. Because Christ's yoke is light. When you yield to the Spirit of God and allow Him to work in you and through you, it's not about performance. It's about surrender. Not my will, thy will. That's freeing. That's freeing. And so Jesus instructs us in this parable of the sowing of the seed or the parable of the soils. And we need to do this with patience. You know, too many people say, well, I've been going to church and I've been reading my Bible and I've been praying and nothing's happening in my life. Patience. You know, these people, they're like the Bereans. They were commended for being fair-minded as manifest in the way that they received the Word with all readiness. You remember that account? Acts 17. They searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. They were noble people. They were noble-minded. This is what the Scripture refers to them as. This is what we should be. Notice the importance of understanding in relation to bearing fruit. Jesus made the connection between the two in, in His parable. Paul connects the two when he writes of the gospel, producing fruit among the Colossians, quote, since the day they heard. New American Standard says understood. Since the day they understood the grace of God in truth. When when one understands, they will be more likely to bear fruit. The problem is some of you aren't hearing. You're not understanding. And that's the part that has to be addressed first. Only the Lord can give you that. So application of the parable, we're done. Are you like the wayside? If you've heard the gospel of Christ and His kingdom, but you're not yet a Christian, you've never come to that point of surrender. You may have a wayside heart. 
You may be in the process of hardening your heart. And I can assure you, the longer you wait to respond to what Christ is wanting to do in your life, the harder your heart will get. You're susceptible to Satan's deception in some form to blind you and not allow the Word of God to have its intended effect. Don't harden your heart. If you're here today and you're without Christ, let me share this truth with you. Today is the day of salvation. Don't reject the gift of God that's being offered today. The seed that's being sown, the seed that's being watered, God desires to bring the increase. He desires that you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. That you'll recognize who Christ is. Christ is God in the flesh. He came, born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross at Calvary to take away the sins of the world. He wants to deliver you from the bondage of your sin. You'll simply turn to Him in repentance and saving faith. His death upon the cross was for our sin. His burial, His resurrection proves that He is who He claimed to be. And if you'll believe that by faith, if you'll confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, He'll save you. He promised, whosoever shall call upon Him shall be saved. Let today be your day of salvation. Turn to Him. Turn to Him from your sin. Say, Lord, I can't do this, but you've done it. And by faith, I receive your gift. I receive your forgiveness of sin. I want Christ as my Lord and Savior today. That's your prayer. Call out to Him today. Let today be your day of salvation. Maybe you're here, you're like the stony places. If you respond to the gospel at one time, maybe you did. Maybe you walked an aisle. Maybe uh, you're just not grounded in the faith. You're the kind that falls away every time a temptation comes up. Or maybe you're like the soil among the thorns. Maybe you responded to the gospel at some point in your life, but you're becoming too preoccupied with the cares and the riches and the pleasure of this world. I can assure you, you're not going to be able to bear fruit. Remember what Jesus said about the branches that don't bear fruit? Maybe you're here and you're like the good soil. You've responded to the gospel. You're bearing fruit. You've demonstrated several important things because you're recognizing what Christ is doing in you. Not what you're doing, but what Christ is doing within you. He's changing your heart so that your desires are changing. That's a noble heart. Again, only God can do that. You've come to understand the Word. That's not you. That's Christ in you illuminating the truth of His Word. You've been keeping it with patience. You know, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Again, to God be the glory. Only He can change our hearts. Only He can change our desires. Only He can change our focus. But He wants to do that if you'll surrender to Him and let Him do it. And so the Word of God has been able to produce its intended effect in you. To God be the glory. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Those are the words we long to hear as a follower of Christ. When Jesus finished telling His parable of the sower, He cried out, He who has ears to hear, 
let him hear. Let's pray.